You're listening to the Jabin Chavez Leadership Podcast, a conversation designed to help you define your organizational culture and leadership values. Jabin is a pastor, artist, and highly sought after speaker who has a long track record of growing departments, ministries, and organizations. We know that this podcast will bring value to you as a leader and to your entire team. Hey friends, welcome to the podcast today. So excited for you to hear this. Um, here's what we're doing this month that's just a little bit different. I wanted to let you peek into our team night. Team night is something we do four times a year. It is a gathering of everyone who serves City Light Church. So whether you serve on a team, serve as a small group leader, or serve by tithing, not just giving, but tithing. If you're one of those three people, you're invited to team night. It's a great night. We um, we eat together, we worship together, we pray together, and then we have a time of teaching. And it's it's honestly the my four favorite services of the year. They're just incredible and uh, something you may want to think about doing with your teams as well. But anyway, had about 300 serve team members there gathered together. It was just a, it was a night on fire and I wanted you to, um, hear it. And, uh, I thought it might be an encouragement to you. Take, take my little message, take my little sermon, steal it, use it for yourself and, um, use it for your teams. I also want to make one note towards the end. Um, I made a reference to Exodus 18, but it's actually Leviticus 18. So just so you know, um, The Jewish people had a clear sexual ethic from Leviticus 18, and I addressed that in my talk, but I I didn't have it in my notes. I was just kind of going off my notes at that point, and I accidentally said Exodus 18, so I wanted to make sure that was clear to you. Anyway, I love you guys. Um, Again, this is kind of one for pastors and church leaders, but I feel like it's something really important that pastors need to hear. I pray it's an encouragement to you and uh, hope you're blessed. See you soon. Matthew chapter 9 verse 35, Jesus went throughout the cities and the villages teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. That's the ministry of Jesus, teaching, proclaiming, and healing. Teaching, proclaiming, and healing. Never forget that. That's what Jesus does. He teaches us. He proclaims to us there is a better way. And he heals us, both, both physically, emotionally, spiritually. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into, watch, watch this, his harvest. His harvest, what he has for us. So let me just let me just give you a few things um, that I think are really important. Uh, uh, I just want to remind you of today, as we do all that we're doing for the kingdom of God. And the first is there is not a harvest problem. <laughs> there is not a shortage of harvest. Uh, there are there are souls to be saved. Jesus did not look into the masses, into the multitudes and go, all these people, their hearts are hard. They'll never say yes to the gospel. 
don't even bother. That's not what he says. He said, this, this harvest is great and it's my harvest. And if anyone would reach them, they could reach them. They're not too far gone. They're not beyond hope. They're not out of my reach. They're not, they're not out of my power. They're not out of my love. I can reach these people. He, he does not look at a city like Vegas and go, oh, that's Sin City. Can't do anything there. No, he looks at a city like ours and he says the harvest is plentiful. And it's not City Light's harvest. It's my harvest. It's not Central's harvest. It's my harvest. It's not ICLV's harvest. It's, 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 it's not the crossings. It's my harvest. He says this is personal to me, but I need laborers to go out because there are souls to be saved and people to reach and people to heal. There, there are people to teach there are people to proclaim to, and there are people to heal. Because that's what he wants to do with this harvest. That is his harvest. And so I just want you to know there is not a shortage of harvest. And we can't forget that. We can't, we can't forget why we're here. We can't forget that the reason that when you got saved and you gave your life to Christ, the reason that the moment you did that, you didn't just, boom, go to heaven. The reason you're here is because God wants to use your life. He didn't just go, okay, good, got that one out of hell, let's go. No. He said, all right, now you got a job. The harvest is plentiful. We're not just here to look at it. We're here to reap it. The harvest is plentiful. We do not have a harvest problem. Another translation says the harvest is ripe. Or the harvest is ready. Wow. That, that means that it, it, is, it is always the season to win souls and to lead people to Christ. Amen. That's why after every service, we invite people to pray to receive Jesus as Lord. I might be talking about marriage. I might be talking about parenting. I might be talking about finances. I might, it, it doesn't matter what I'm talking about. The harvest is always plentiful. And, and the 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 sermon doesn't even have to be about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Just the word of God is so anointed. You, you give that opportunity at the end, and people get saved every week. And I'm always so shocked. Honestly, I'm shocked by it because sometimes I'll, I'll talk about whatever singleness or something, and then I do the altar call, and everyone gets saved. And I'm like, Lord, Jesus, why? we weren't even talking about that. <laughs> but it's because the word of God is anointed. There is, there is not a harvest problem. That means there are people who would get saved, people who will give their lives to Jesus, people who would leave their life of sin if they knew about Jesus. So we're salt and we're light. What do you do with salt and light? Jesus says, number one, with light, don't cover it. Don't you dare cover it. Use it. Let your light shine. And then he says about salt, he says, don't lose your saltiness. Think about that. He says, you can lose your, you are salt, but you've lost your savor. That's what that Greek word is. You've lost your flavor. I don't know if you've ever had a, a, a seasoning in your pantry since like 1987. <laughs> and it's like garlic powder and you, it's like this, it lost its savor. You know, there's a lot of churches who gather. 
but they've lost their savor. They've lost their flavor. They've, they've lost their preserving uh, ability in culture. We can't lose that. Don't lose your saltiness. Use your flavor. Use what God has given you. Let your light shine. I'm just going to give you some very practical ways under this first point. Here's one. Invite friends and family to church. I was with Sam Coleman the other day. We were at his office, and we were talking about communication, and we were just having a great time chatting, and Zach was there, and some other guys were there, a part of his team that aren't Christians. And Zach just went, hey, you can come Sunday. And he said no. And, and, and Sam goes, and I'm like, that's your boss. You should say, okay, but anyway, I didn't say that. So he goes, the guy says no. And Sam goes, I'm not going to stop inviting you. Like, what's that guy going to do? No, stop. No, he's like, okay, you know. And then Sam went, you can come to my small group. Well, you know, with my wife, well, come to my small group. Listen, don't, don't lose your light. Don't lose your salt. I'm telling you, if you start inviting people to church, you'll get addicted to it. You're like, I'd be so uncomfortable. You won't be uncomfortable once you get it going. No, you'll just start, you'll start talking to everybody. Every time you get food, every time, everything. Just, hey, hey, do you go to church? You should come to my church. It's amazing. And any of the guys that golf with me know, if we ever get paired up with a fourth, if we ever get paired up with a third, some random guy gets put in, I'm telling you, within three holes. Oh, I'm telling you. Hey, we all go to, we all go to this church. You should come. I just invite everybody. I don't ever tell them I'm the pastor. I just tell them, you should come to this church. It's awesome. Here's another one. Use your social media as a witness. I'm just going to tell you something. Every Sunday, why don't you just take out your phone and do a little post? Just like that. Everyone who has Instagram, I'm not asking you to touch your feed because I know your feed is sacred and you don't want to mess up your feed and, and you've got you to look to your feed and you know. So I'm not, I'm not asking for that. There's an aesthetic, and you guys are so. But at least open your stories. Thank you. Who's talking to me? Thank you. Open your stories. I go, man, I love this song. Or, wow, that was a good. I, it's, I'm not asking for shout outs necessarily. <laughs> but... <laughs> but, I mean, I don't hate it. <laughs> But <laughs> that made me laugh. No, stop. <laughs> but my point is, <laughs> but, my, but my point is, yeah, hey, here at City Light, I mean, honestly, for a lot of your friends that, that aren't a part of this kind of church, they would go, that's the kind of music? Why are people in robes? Why, where, where's the big organ? Where's the big choir? Where's the, why is your pastor wearing shorts? Why is he wearing a hat? You would, you would never know. People, because you would go, hey, do you want to come to church? And they have like this thought of what church is. So you're using it. Again, I'm, I'm honestly not trying to get a, a shout out, but I'll repost you. No, but I'm not. I'm saying, <laughs> tag City Light. Put, put, the, put the, you know, the at City, whatever. Okay, you know how to do it. <laughs> Share your testimony, whatever you can. Here's another one. Share your testimony. Whenever, whenever a story's being told with, with friends or family and something comes up and, and, and something with your faith can be added, you can go, yeah, man, you know, that's amazing. With me, 
you know, with, when, when I, gave, I, I was able to give that to God, I mean, Jesus really helped me with this. And you just share little things. And it doesn't have to be a big theological debate. <laughs> you believe in God? Well, you believe in Jesus. Well, it worked. I mean, I don't know. It, I was one way, now I'm another way. I don't know. I mean... Listen, a man with an experience always, always, always has the upper hand over a man with an argument. And that man with an argument's always at the mercy of a man with an experience. Always. Because they can go, well, do you know this? And you know this? And you go, you know, what I know is <laughs> I prayed in the name of Jesus and God did something for me. That's what I know happened. That's what happened in John chapter 9, right? The guy was blind. Jesus heals him, and they start asking him a million questions, and he goes, I don't have an answer. I love that because it's one of the greatest witnessing stories in the Bible, and he, he has no theology. He goes, I don't even know who he is. All I know is I was blind, and now I see. Tell your testimony. Here's one more. Here's one more. Offer prayer. And someone starts pouring out their heart. Someone's sad. Someone's just gone through a bad breakup. Someone did something dumb over the weekend, and they're talking about it at work. And what if you just snuck away and say, hey, can, we just, can I pray for you? Are you okay? Man, just, man, you were talking about how your, how your parent is fighting that, that illness. Or, man, I just heard about your You were talking about that at lunch about your sister. You don't have to do it right there in front of everybody. You know, because they're probably going to say no because they're going to be all weirded out and everyone around is going to be. But what if you just pulled them aside a little bit later and said, hey, I, you know, I know we're talking about that. Could I pray for you real quick? Yeah, yeah, be praying for me. No, 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 like right now. What do I do? Just close your eyes. I'll close my eyes. We're just going to pray. I'm just telling you. Just offer prayer. Wherever you can interject, pray. There is not a harvest problem. Number two, though, there is a laborer problem. You know that right now everywhere you go at the door. We're hiring. We will give you a boat if you'll flip burgers. If you will, if you will brew coffee, <laughs> I will shave my head. I don't know. What do you want? I'll, I'll get a tattoo. What do you want? There is a, there is a laborer problem, and it's not just in the world. It's in the church. And it's been in the church for 2,000 years. Jesus said, there is an issue. And the issue is, I don't have enough workers. That's what that word means. Here's, here's my favorite definition of that word labor. One who does. Just don't, don't just talk about it. Be about it. Do it. What is a labor? One who does. Just help people get seated. Say hello at the door. Help on the team, run a camera, run lyrics in the back, hold a baby, <laughs> change a diaper, encourage an elementary student, encourage a teenager on Wednesday night. Just one who does. Very good. I'm just, I'm just telling you, it's an. We don't, we don't love work anymore in our nation, but I'm telling you, God still elevates work, blesses work. And he, and he blesses it out there and he blesses it in here. 
Find a man who's diligent in work and you'll find a man who's blessed and you'll find a man who is brought before great people. I'm just telling you, the Bible is, is full of this. And Jesus says, I need laborers. I need people who are involved. We don't have a harvest problem. We have a laborer problem, a worker problem, a one who does problem. James said, faith without works, it's dead. Think about Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. So only Jesus builds, but we have to labor. Does that make sense? So, yeah, he's building this, but we labor. Jesus is building your life, but we labor. Jesus is building this church, but we labor. So we don't just, okay, God, you know, do whatever you want to do. No, there, there is a partnership. Now, now, in prayer and in consecration and in fasting, we believe God to build, but we have a part. Someone's got to open the door. Someone's got to check the person in. Someone's got to turn on the soundboard. Someone's got to run the light. Someone's got to preach. Someone's got to sing. This is what the the apostle Paul says in Romans um, chapter 10. He said, how can they believe unless someone preaches? But how can someone preach unless they're sent? There's labor. So only God can save, only Jesus saves, but we have to preach, we have to send. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We send financially, we send by serving, we send by preaching, we, we, we do what we can do, and then God does what only he can do. God does the building, but we do, do the laboring. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, Knowing that your labor is not in vain. Labor. There is a labor to this. The the laborers are few. There is a labor to this, but your labor is not in vain. And I just want to remind you, there is a consumer culture and there is the kingdom culture. Please never forget this. And we must decide as a church to be a kingdom culture. So you don't, you don't bring the world's culture and ethics into this. Amen. This is kingdom culture. This is upside down. This is, this is totally opposite. This is not, this is not just corporate. There, there, is, there is something kingdom about it. And as a kingdom culture, we choose that it's either going to be comfort or conviction. What are we going to choose? Calling or convenience? Worship or entertainment? Heaven or hype? Praise or performance? Servanthood or selfishness? All about souls or all about me? Generosity or greed? Following Christ or following culture? Friend, our labor is not in vain. And Jesus said, anyone who gives up anything for the gospel, Mark chapter 10, anyone who gives up anything for the gospel, he will receive in this life and in the life to come 100 fold. Come on, give me a good amen right there. And so we're going to choose the way of the kingdom. That's why I'll never, I'll always thank you, but I'll never apologize. Thank you for giving, but not sorry. 
well, I know you make a lot of money. I don't want I'm sorry. Or, oh, I know you don't make that much money. I'm sorry. I'll never apologize for asking somebody to obey Scripture. <laughs> and while we're at it, oh, I'm so sorry, but if you can serve. Oh, no, no, we don't. Well, I don't apologize. Ever. Ever. I'm not sorry for asking you to be a part of something that is eternal. Now, I'm thankful. Now, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. But I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry to ask our team to be here on a Tuesday night. I'm not. I'm thankful, but I'm not sorry. We can't apologize for being a part of something that is so much bigger than ourselves. This is, this is awesome. This is glorious. This is, this is beautiful. And we all get to be a part of it. And so we, we, we don't live with an apologetic spirit. We live with a grateful spirit. But it is, it is grateful, but it, yes, it is asking big. We have a big commitment around here. We, we're asking people to tithe. Yeah, we are. We're asking people to serve. We are. Asking people to join into a small group. We are. We're asking people to be faithful on a Sunday, to be here on a Sunday. We're asking big, but it's, it's, it's not from a demanding or controlling spirit, but it's from a testimony of what God has done in our life to say that this way of the kingdom is better. It'll be better for you. It'll be better for your family. It'll be better for your future. It'll be better for every area of your life. Proverbs 3, I read it this Sunday. Every dimension of your life will be blessed. Amen. Amen. So when you get that invitation on planning center to serve, okay, now block it out. If you got to block it out, block it out. But if it ain't blocked out, you're fair game. So stop declining <laughs> now block it up you're going to be on vacation you're going to be gone you're going to be doing some block it up get your block on but if there isn't a block there we need you need you to serve we need you to help we need you to need you to be involved and you know again I'm not saying you can't say no I hope you but I want you to I, what I don't want you to do is go oh, okay here we go no 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 oh wow I'm a part of something kingdom I'm going to help somebody on Sunday. I'm going to love somebody on Sunday. I'm going to encourage somebody on Sunday. Amen. Lastly, not lastly, lastly, we can solve the problem. We can solve the problem. Let me have Zach come up and play me out of here. Here's how Jesus ends. He says, pray earnestly. Because he knows that a praying church will be an activated church. A praying church will be a working church. A praying church will be a laboring church. So he says, pray. Pray not for the harvest. Pray for laborers to go into my harvest. So now what did Jesus do? Because what does this look like practically? He taught. He proclaimed. He healed. And he commands us to pray. Teaching, proclaiming, healing, and praying. Our, our church should and does look like that. And every church should. There should be a strong teaching ministry. Not everything should be funny. Not everything should get a hand clap. Not everything should get an amen. Not everything should 
There's just times I'm teaching the Bible. And if you'll do it, your life will be changed. And if you don't do it, you're going you're gonna to keep doing the same thing. So there, there should be a teaching element to the church. Now, I know because sometimes I teach the, the church cold <laughs> after a couple of weeks. I feel it. And I'll go, okay, let's warm it up. So then I'll proclaim. That's what I did Sunday. I didn't teach on Sunday. I proclaimed on Sunday. Because I got I to gotta warm y'all back up because we get a little frozen chosen because we just become little... We come, become little Bible nerds, and I'll, and I'll get into that. And so then we got to fire it back up. But we teach and proclaim, and there should be a balance. So not every Sunday is rah, rah, rah. Not every Sunday is just kind of cold. And, but there, there, there should be a balance of teaching and proclamation. And then there's healing. And that's not just physical healing, but it's, it's the moving of the Holy Spirit. It's the balm of Gilead. It's the anointing oil. There's a flow of the Holy Spirit. There's healing of relationships, healing of hearts, healing of dreams, healing of bodies, healing of minds. There's a, there's a healing ministry about the church. And I, I, I think I could probably have a testimony service right now that you've been coming for, for what, what, however long you've been coming. And you would say, there has been healing in my life. Can I get an amen? You. You have that testimony? There's been healing. Right? That, that happened. That happened for, I'm, I'm just telling you right now. We pray at 8.15 on Sunday mornings before church. I'm telling you, I got so, I don't even know what the word is. Filled with the Holy Spirit. We're just praying. And I'm, I mean, it was just like an unbelievable presence of God came upon me. That's the healing of heaven. And then there's the prayer ministry. We pray. We're people of prayer. My house shall be called a house of prayer. So I want to end with this because I just felt led to say this. Um, and, and if you're not like a real, if you're not following church, you don't really follow a lot of this. But in the last two years, there has been dozens and dozens of high-profile pastors who are out of the ministry it, it is an epidemic like I've never seen. There has been drug addiction, um, sexual abuse, sexual sin, uh, churches destroyed, people's lives destroyed. I mean, we have seen so much. And, and I'm actually, I'm really in prayer and be praying for me because I feel like I need to start speaking into it publicly. But I never wanted to be, I don't want to be a hater and then I told you so, but I do feel like the Lord is giving me some wisdom and instruction on how to help pastors uh, because they're just being derailed and they, they think what they need is a vacation or a sabbatical and they don't. They need a full restructure of, they become professional ministers and they're, they're no longer shepherds after God's own heart. So they're, and I'm not throwing stones, but I'm saying but I have a little authority in this area too, so I don't want to be false symbol either, okay? So, um, but I mean, the, the thing, the, the perversion of, of these guys. And then they get up, you know, they, they do one little post. Oh, you know, hey, made a little mistake and I'm going to take a break. And it's like, and it, cause, but because I'm, I'm in it, I know what's really going on. And I'm like, you should be in jail. And, you're, and, you're, and well, actually, you should be dead because your wife should have killed you. <laughs> And I hear, and the stories are just unbelievable. And and again, I'm not I'm not throwing stones because I'm not. I'm, and I'm getting 
there's a point. <laughs> In the 90s, there came a movement that rose up, and we're, we're um, for you that don't know, a few Sunday nights ago, I did this talk on sexuality and singleness and purity, and I talked about how we are, we are at the crest of the sexual revolution, and we are seeing the absolute all-out perversion of, of free love from the 60s. And I went back, all the way back to Exodus 18, and I talked about how the, the Jewish men of, of the New Testament would have gotten their sexual ethic from Exodus 18. One of the amazing things about that, by the way, um, as, as we talk about the peak of that, one of the things in Exodus 18 that God warns against is don't offer your, your children to Molech. And not only, and it's the destruction of children, because sexual perversion always leads to the destruction of children. And not only are we seeing it with 60 million aborted children, but we're now seeing it as our children. Let, let me just, don't you dare believe the, the lies about this quote unquote, don't say gay bill. That's not what it's about. I'm just telling you. Can I tell you this? When I heard about this, because I'm a very, I want to be very honest and fair. I have not watched one clip from Fox, one clip from Newsmax, one clip from anyone conservative. I've went all MSNBC and CNN and MSN and, and that. I've went left to really understand it. And you have a, t you have a teacher crying, saying, I won't be able to tell my kindergartners what me and my partner did this weekend. It is none of my five-year-old's business what you and your partner did. I'm not judging you. I don't hate you. I'm not mad. My whole, the whole front row, everyone stood behind you, but you guys couldn't say because you're like, I don't know, Pastor, if we're allowed to... <laughs> Pastor. No, because... It's not about that. And if, and if my little pastor's kid has a question, then that teacher better go, hey, Goldie, you're going to talk to your parents about that. Because it's none of my gosh darn business. <laughs> That's what this is about. Okay. And a child doesn't need to be thinking about if, if they can't consent to sex, and they can't, they can't consent to changing their gender. And the fact that that's even controversial, the fact that you don't even know if you're allowed to, we have lost our mind. And I'm not, oh, Javen's a Republican. Stop that. Goldie is not, my five-year-old is not old enough to consent to sex. She's not old enough to talk about it with an adult outside of us. And she is not old enough to decide if she is male or female. You got to understand. So we are, we have peaked. The sexual revolution is at its worst right now. Okay. That was a really long way to get to this. 
And I hope you don't leave the church over. I really hope you don't. But I hope you'll hear my heart. Oh, my gosh. Our children are under attack. They are. This is, this is crazy. I'm not, I'm not calling any teacher or even that teacher that I mentioned. A, a, I'm not saying they're doing something on purpose. But that is the spirit of this world. Okay, you just got to understand this. You got to understand the times we're living in. Or, or you'll just kind of go, oh, I heard something about something, but I didn't. Yeah. And then it's just, okay, and our kids are being fed this and being indoctrinated. Okay. So, so with evil agendas, there's always a peak, and we're in that right now. And thankfully, churches are kind of waking up to this and going, oh, man, we, oh, whoa, this is crazy. Um. And I would, have, I would have never thought. I would have never thought five years ago when we, when we moved here to start planting and four years ago, when we planted, I would have never thought this would even be conversation. Does that make sense? But it just keeps getting darker and darker. Okay. I said all that to say with, with every bad idea, there is, there is a peak that happens. Well, in the 1990s, there was a really bad idea. and It was called seeker-sensitive church. But it sounded awesome, just like free love sounded awesome in the 60s. The seeker-sensitive church was this. Hey, we need to cut the suits. We need, to cut the, we need to cut the fancy music. We need to be a little more casual. We need to make sure that lost people can come to our church. That's a, that was great. Yeah. But they didn't just change the method. They watered down the message. So everything became about, this is what it was called. You know, I know this as a, as a pastor. It was called felt need preaching. Speak to the felt need. So, so you talk about depression, and you talk about relationships, and you talk about fear, and, and you talk about family, and then you just rotate that. So that anyone can walk in, and their felt need is being. But you, you don't talk about doctrine. And you don't talk about the Holy Spirit. Oh, no. And you don't challenge people to give. Never, never say tithe. We say generosity. We don't say tithe. We say generosity. Every time I preach at a church, oh, we're going to have a time of generosity. I tell that pastor, I go, bro, what are we doing? Do we not believe the Bible anymore? Well, you know, we, some people want to. It is the tithe. <laughs> And we return to God in the tithe and in the offering. This is, it's not generosity time. It's the tithe. Okay, well, anyway, sorry. Y'all just getting it off. Got my legs out tonight. I'm just. Stop. I'm, I'm making a point because I think it's important. We, we are now in the crescendo of 30 years of seeker sensitive. So we never touched discipleship and we never touched issues in the Bible. We weren't allowed to talk about this and you're not allowed to talk about this. And You can say this, but you can't say that. And you can talk about Jesus, but you can't talk about the Holy Spirit. You can talk about heaven, but you can't talk about hell. You can, you can talk about grace, but you can't talk about truth. And I, and I think there was, a, there was a really pure heart in that. But the, the fruit of it has, in my opinion, has, has not been great. 
the church that spearheaded this was a church called Willow Creek in Chicago. That pastor is now out of the ministry uh, because of sexual abuse. But not only that, as before he got exposed and before he got fired, he actually said, he said, this experiment hasn't worked. We were wrong. I, we, we thought we were reaching people, but we were just filling buildings. We filled buildings, but we never told anyone the truth. Okay. Why did I just do that? I, I didn't do it to frustrate you, and I didn't do it to make the front row nervous. I did it to tell you that the way we solve the problem is not by watering down and not touching things because it's Sunday. But our role is he went into the cities and the villages and the synagogues teaching, proclaiming, healing, and praying. And we cannot lose those four in the Sunday gathering. Well, Jabin, if you talk about this on a Sunday, what if my friend, you need to trust the Holy Spirit, number one. And number two, we're not trying to become the Christian club. We're not trying to become elitist. We're not. I'll never become that. So don't worry about that. And I'll never allow that spirit. But we do have to preach the Bible. Okay, I'm not going to like drop some bomb on Sunday. Don't worry. Okay, I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm just saying... It's like what, what happened with that movement was there are some things that cannot be said on a Sunday. There, there were rules. There were unspoken rules. And I'm not going to give in to those rules. I'm not giving in to. And I, and I felt like I publicly had to address it as, I've, as I see dozens and dozens, pastor after pastor after pastor after pastor who, who fell for it. And they're out of the ministry. Because weak preaching creates weak Christians. And strong preaching creates strong Christians. And I'm, we're not going to be mean, and we're not going to be judgmental, and we're not going to be, um, we're not going to be exclusive, but we're going to tell the truth. And we're going to lead people to Christ. And sometimes you're going to invite a friend and they're going to go, you know what? That wasn't for me. And that's okay. Because I'm not the Savior and they're not the Savior. And this church isn't the Savior. This is His harvest. Oh, give me a good amen. Stand up, stand up. I got to finish. All right. So I'm not, we're not getting controversial for controversial sake ever on a Sunday. Please hear me. I'm just saying if I'm preaching a text and the text is telling me what to preach, we're no longer going to give into the, oh, I'm not allowed to say that because it's a Sunday. Sunday is the gathering of the saints first and foremost. We want unbelievers to come. We want them to get saved. We want you to invite friends and family. Please don't understand. We're, we're never going to be, we're never going to be this exclusive thing at the same time though our our number one call 
is to equip the saints, teach, proclaim, heal, and pray, and release people into ministry. Period. Amen? Amen. 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 May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine up on you. May the Lord be gracious to you. And may the Lord give you his peace. Lord, I thank you for all that this group has done for your house. And I pray that as they blessed your house, would you bless their house in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Love y'all. We'll see you Sunday. Go grab some merch. <laughs>